Yes, I do not plan to do any more three or four nights unless I have no other choice. Welcome back, everybody. This week's episode of the DCL Duo podcast. And we're excited to welcome back Carol, who we have had on before, but most recently we had her on, on as a bonus episode to talk about her family's planning for two cruises aboard the Fantasy, not back to back. There's a little break in between because the Fantasy isn't sailing continuously right now. She's doing four night cruises with a break and then another four night cruise. So Carol's family took two cruises aboard the Fantasy. And we're excited to welcome her back to talk about those cruises. So welcome, Carol. Thank you. Thank you for having me back again. Yeah, we're excited to hear all about this uh, pseudo back-to-back cruising. (laughs) It was a very interesting and unique experience for sure. And Carol, we were actually on the same cruise, although we managed to not bump into each other on the on the fantasy. It just goes to show you how large those dream class ships can can be. But we were on the same cruise there at the end. I want to rewind your first cruise, though. So you got down there on that cruise. I think the only folks that had to be tested were kids under 12. Did I get that right? And how did it go? Yes, that's correct. So for the first cruise, it was before the new rule testing rules were implemented. And so our girls under 12 had to have a PCR test within five days prior to sailing. And then they also had to be tested again at the port. So it was a very smooth process. I mean, I think I was a bundle of nerves for for nothing. It feels like now it, it, it felt very anxiety striking at the time. But uh But it was really smooth. And on the first cruise, the testing at the port for the girls only took about 30 minutes. I mean, it was very, very quick that we had the results and we're heading to get on board. Yeah, that is fast. That that is pretty fast. Uh, Were you what was your boarding time for that first cruise? Well, we sailed concierge, so we didn't have a set port arrival time. So we arrived at the port at about 1050. And that's when the process started. And we were on board before 12. Oh, wow. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And your stateroom was ready at that point in time, too? Yes, for us, it was. Passed the test or, or failed the test, I guess, as is the case that we all hope for when it comes to COVID and got on board. Carol, was this your this was your first time back aboard a Disney ship since the shutdown or, or had you cruised prior? Yes, this was our first cruise back on board since the shutdown. Prior to that, we cruised in February of 2020, right before the shutdown. So this was the first. Okay. What did you think about the new cruise terminal, Carol, that you got to experience? I, I don't know that it's a major upgrade as to what was there before, but it's a little bit different process. What did you think about the cruise terminal? It was a different process, and I was very interested to see how they were going to deal with the different castaway club levels and concierge particularly, because in the past, we've always had our own kind of check-in line. And I was very impressed with it. I thought things went very smoothly. I enjoyed the fact that they did all the check-in before you went through security. So once you went up into the terminal, unless you had some issue or wanted to upgrade, you just went straight onto the ship. That was pretty nice. And in our case, what we weren't aware of was that there was a complete separate line for concierge. And not only was there a complete separate check-in line, but there was a separate security line as well. So that was kind of a nice added bonus. I just I thought it went very smoothly. I think I spent the first two or three days of that cruise in shock. So it was kind of good to have the second cruise because I was just so happy to be there. I think I was kind of, you know, in shock a little bit for the first little while. Yeah, it takes a little while to get used to, I think, used to it again. I, I don't know if I don't know if the shock was being back on board or the shock was trying to like reorient yourself into travel. Maybe a little bit of both, I think. <laughs> 
Well, how was the how was the concierge experience on board, Carol? I mean, my perception is well, was concierge full? Were there a lot of people in con- sailing concierge? Because it seems like those rooms are selling out on board the ships. So on our first cruise, nine eleven, which was the first revenue sailing of the fantasy, concierge was only about half full, which is very, very, very unusual. So it was quite empty. And then on the second cruise, it was full. So it was a quite different experience from the first cruise to the second cruise because of that. Overall, I would say the concierge experience, in my opinion, was much better than it was pre-COVID. Maybe some folks would disagree with me on that. Yeah. Tell us about the differences. The biggest difference that's noticeable, I guess, is the fact that when you go into the concierge lounge, the food and drink is served to you. Obviously, you're not allowed to serve yourself. We didn't really mind that so much. I didn't, I mean, there were, they had plenty of attendants in there to help get food and serve drinks. And they were just, you know, amazing as always. One of the other differences that we noticed was that now concierge has something called a drink trolley. That's like a drink cart that you can schedule to have come to your room during the concierge happy hour from five to 10. And they make drinks right at your stateroom door and give you an antipasta plate. And it's just, you know, it's kind of like a nice added experience. One of the other differences that we've never had before is they actually had a designated area for concierge to view fireworks. And that has never been the case before. So that was also a nice added change as well. Where where was the fireworks viewing, Carol? It was right outside the concierge sun deck. Oh, wow. Was it, was it a good view of the show? Yes, it was excellent. It was an excellent view. They even had chairs set up for us and everything. It was pretty amazing. Wow. Wow. I, yeah. I guess the other thing we skipped ahead a bit because we started talking about concierge, but this was your first time uh, experiencing the little boarding show that they've started now. What did you uh, What did you think about the boarding into the atrium and the show they have there? Yes, I really enjoyed being able to see Captain Mickey and Captain Minnie right as you board the ship. I thought that was a, an extra special magical touch, especially getting on after not being there in so long. It was nice to see them right away. I thought it was a really cute show. I think it was a great way for Disney to have some crowd control with the boarding, the way that they have, you know, the crew members right there to kind of direct you and give you the options of where you can go next and what you can do. I thought they just did an excellent job with it. Yeah, it's something I I wish they could find a way to do post-pandemic. I just don't know if they can. I mean, I guess what they could do is board larger groups uh, at a time, you know, see more than 10 groups or 10 families in the atrium. But I I don't know, maybe there's some way they can continue doing it. But I think that little show when you first get on is is really great. Where did you, uh, did you get lunch after you got on board? And and if so, did you cabanas or did you do the sit-down lunch? We did. We went and did the um, safety drill portion first, which was super, super easy. But we did go to lunch after that. We went to the concierge lunch. It, which is a sit-down lunch in Royal Court. What did you think about the uh, the overall dining experience on your first cruise, Carol? Was it about what you remembered it being? When any stars of the show or misses, major misses? I honestly felt like the food was a little bit better than it was previously, as far as the quality of the food is concerned. I think, and I, I'm guessing that maybe some of that has to do with the reduced capacity and the fact that they weren't having to make meals for so many people at once, perhaps or just maybe because it had been a while, but I, I felt like mostly it was on point with what I remembered. Maybe some of the quality was a little bit better. And did you did you manage to make it over to Cabanas on the sailing or did you uh, did you go into Cabanas at all? And if so, what did you what did you think about the experience in there and the food in there? We actually did not go to Cabanas on either sailing, so I can't comment on that, unfortunately. I, I think that was a good call, Carol. <laughs> well, with two of the days being for both sailings, having two days on the island, you know, there wasn't as much of an opportunity to eat those meals on board, I guess, because really 
out of both cruises, there was really only one full day on the ship. So the the options for doing that were somewhat limited. On the second sailing, Carol, I know that we had three shows. We had Aladdin, Frozen, and Believe. Was that the case on the first sailing? Did they also do three shows on the first sailing? Yes, they did all three shows on the first sailing as well. And and what did you think about the shows, Carol? Yeah, were they were they living up to the uh, living up to your memory? And I know some of them have been revamped a little bit. But what did you and your family think about the uh, the onboard shows? They were phenomenal as always. I mean, they just do such an amazing job, and it's probably still one of our favorite things on the ship or the shows. I'm just amazed at the amount of talent and the gifts that the performers have and just how well put together they are. It really is just outstanding. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. I I was cheering up when we were on The Dream back in August and I was watching Beauty and the Beast and it was the first live theater I've, th- I've seen in, you know, 18 months plus or something. And I just was so enamored and I always love the shows as well, but it just having it be the first live theater I've seen in so long made it just even more special. I think having been on social media and following so many of the crew members and the performers over the course of the 18 months that they have been unable to fulfill their passion for what they do and knowing for us, especially on the first cruise, knowing that was their first performance in front of you know revenue guests and knowing and seeing how excited they were about that, it just brought a completely different aura to it. It was, you know, the performance was amazing, but knowing everything behind it and the behind the people on that stage just brought a whole different level of excitement to it. Yeah, I, 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 I thought the show, I did not see Aladdin. I did get to catch Frozen because I had not seen it before. And so I thought that was really well done. And again, I think Disney Cruise Line just does a really excellent job of bringing those stage productions to life at sea. It's really amazing kind of what they're doing uh, in terms of Broadway quality shows at sea. Carol, you mentioned that it was a it was a two stop at Castaway Key. I guess how how full was your sailing? Do you know what the passenger count was on the first uh, revenue sailing, or did you hear any rumors? Yes, our first sailing I think was like between nine hundred and fifty and nine hundred and sixty people, so it was really really super low capacity. And and how did that make the ship feel? And Castaway Key did it did it did it feel empty, or did it feel at times there were lots of people? Like how did the onboard experience feel? It really felt empty the entire time. And like I said, for us, concierge was only half full as well. And so everything just really felt very, I mean, it almost felt like we were alone on the ship at times. Yeah. Our, our porter, when we dropped off our our luggage, I thought one that the terminal was very empty. There was no traffic really at the terminal when we showed up and uh, our porter just sort of said, welcome to your private Disney cruise. So, and that was with 1100 people. So I can't even imagine uh, with a few hundred extra or a few hundred less people on board what that would feel like. Carol, did you get a sense of how many kids were on board? And I guess this might sort of bear out in what the kids club experience was if your kids, if your kids actually went to the kids club. Well, my daughters actually did not visit the kids club. We were a little selective about that for them. They, they didn't necessarily want to, but also with us doing the two cruises and having the break in between, we really were trying to minimize their exposure. So they were happy to kind of stay with us. And like I said, again, we had two days on Castaway, so they were at the beach, but I didn't get a sense that there were huge numbers of kids on the first one as compared to what there might've been in the past. However, since Again, since they didn't go to the kids club and when it felt so empty most of the time, I'm not really 100% sure. Yeah, it's interesting too, from a kids club standpoint, 
Sam, I was going to share that they were actually letting kids go in multiple times, you know, without a reservation. So that may be for everyone out there, that may be a change. I didn't get to experience that myself, obviously, because Nathan wasn't with me this time around. But we were hearing that in addition to the, you know, hour and a half, or I think they build as a two and a half hour reservation at the kids club, they were actually letting kids go in additional times throughout the day could be a function of capacity of the club as well. So Chad and I did get a chance to tour the kids clubs. (laughs) You can hear all about that on our show from last week. Carol, Castaway Key, let's go back there for a second. Assuming the island felt very empty, did you, since you're stealing concierge, did you get a cabana on Castaway Key and how was that? We did. We did have a cabana for three of the four days across the two cruises that we sailed on. Holy cow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We love the cabana experience. We enjoy the fact that, well, one of the days it rained. We had a really, really, really big rainstorm. So it was really nice to have that kind of cover as well. But we like the experience of, you know, having the fridge with the drinks and having the snacks and being able to push the button and get the tasty Mai Tai drink and those kinds of things. So we, we definitely enjoyed our time at the beach. Yeah, that's like, I, I, I've never heard I mean, that's like a record having three out of four days and cast away having a cabana. I guess when you're sailing concierge, that's like that can actually happen, but it still sounds amazing. Yes, and I'm I'm the kind of person that likes to do the automatic send on Gmail when requests are due. So I set the email up ahead of time to have it send at midnight so that we can hopefully get the request that we want. For the these sailings, because they were the itineraries were changed, we were actually still able to book cabanas ahead of everyone else. It was 15 days out. We had to put in a request. We actually did request for all four days and got for all four days, but we decided on the very last Castaway Key Day to cancel our cabana ahead of time and just spend the day on the ship, which is what we did. Fantastic. Yeah. That's a really good tip though for listeners. If you want a cabana and you're sailing concierge, you do have to put in your request via email. And instead of waking up early in the morning, you can set it up ahead of time as an auto send, you know, to when it hits midnight, when it opens. Because if you send the email ahead of time, uh, it just goes into like a junk folder. So it's not going to actually, you're not going to beat anyone by sending your email in early. You actually have to send it uh, on the on the day when your booking opens up. I was just going to say, you do have to be very diligent about paying attention to the date and the time. Often people are very confused about that. And so you really, really have to pay attention to it because if you send it at the wrong time, they won't accept it. It'll, like you said, it just goes basically into a trash pile. So it has to be midnight or after on the day they begin taking requests. Yeah. And the other tip in Carol's answer was if uh, if you're interested in a cabana and you don't get one early, get on board and get on the wait list because there are folks you know who cancel. And so if Carol, for instance, canceled her cabana, I guarantee someone on the wait list probably got a phone call to, to book that up. I'm, I'm interested, Carol, did you feel like after, you know, after seeing the island, did you feel like you needed a cabana? Because it felt pretty empty to, to me, but you know, I know there's lots of other perks that come with it, but, but, but what was your thought there? No, you definitely didn't need a cabana if you, I mean, the beach was so empty because you can see it from the family cabanas and it really was really, really empty. It's just something that we enjoy doing. And the concierge hosts are out there, two of the three are out there to help out the people in the cabanas and take drink orders and all those types of things. So it's it's kind of nice being out there with them as well. But I agree with you. You definitely didn't need a cabana because it was very, very empty, not crowded at all. Yeah, I found I found the crowds were over at Serenity Bay of all things, which I guess I shouldn't be surprised about. There were not a ton of kids on at least our cruise, the second one that you were on. 
Uh, but Serenity Bay had a ton of people <laughs> while the family beach was pretty empty. What did you think about the uh, just the overall experience on the island, Carol? Did you do any of the activities or did you just hang out in your cabana? And how was the, the cookies barbecue for you? All that sort of stuff. I really feel like that it felt so normal. It felt like we were just where we used to be. You know, things were pretty much the same as they were before. We did not do any activities. Parasailing was the one thing that my family wanted to do. And of course, they're not doing parasailing right now. All those activities were canceled. So we actually didn't have any planned excursions other than the cabana. But we really just enjoyed it. It was just as beautiful as ever. And I felt like the food was the same as it always is. It was really yummy. Of course, I have my favorite. But it was just delicious. It was just a wonderful experience. What else did you, did, did you do any of the family activities on board the ship, Carol? And and if so, which ones and, and yeah, how were they? We did, my, my daughter is a lover of all things crafts, drawing. And so she, my husband took her to the, one of the animation classes and she really, really particularly enjoyed that. We actually didn't do the midship detective agency this time. We meant to, but somehow we just never got around to it. The time just went by so, so quickly. There were many, many rides on the aqueduct for sure, because the lines were almost non-existent. So that was a nice thing that we did. And then we spent a lot of time just kind of hanging out, walking around the ship, taking pictures and just enjoying the view, sitting on the loungers on deck four, watching the ocean go by, which is always a fun thing to do. Yeah, no, Carol, this was a Halloween on the high seas sailing. I know I'll be curious on our second sailing that you were on with us as well. They packed pirate night, Halloween night and fireworks all into one day. Did they do that on the first sailing as well? And if so, what did you what did you think about having all of that stuff packed together in one day? Yes, they did do it that way on the first sailing. I honestly, it wasn't my favorite way. I felt like they could have handled it, but I understand why they did it that way because I, I know that they were trying to just get everything in to that short amount of time. I would definitely say to any viewers, if you are a lover of all things Halloween and you've sailed previously on a Halloween cruise and you have all these expectations, you definitely need to adjust your expectations because obviously the activities were modified, some limited and some non-existent because of all of the protocols. We personally chose the sailing before it became a Halloween sailing. So that part didn't matter to us as much. We did dress up a little bit. We enjoyed the fireworks, even though they were short. We thought they were really, really good. Um, It was a nice change in the fireworks, in my opinion. Pirate Night really is limited to what show happens in the restaurant. There really isn't a whole lot more to it than that. So I understand why they did what they did. But I would definitely say if somebody is wanting the full experience of those things and they've never done it before, they probably should wait to sail until Disney is able to release some of the protocols and take it back to the way that it was before. Yeah, I just found it. So what I thought was interesting was that when we did our cruise on the Dream, the fireworks were in the navigator app and so you knew when they were happening i didn't see them in our app at least on the second cruise maybe they were there on the first but it felt like it was difficult to understand all the activities that were going on in that one night and where you wanted to be to see different things i don't know if you had a similar experience yes i agree and it was the same way on the first cruise as well i feel like the benefit that we had again was the fact that we were concierge so when you go into the lounge the hosts are saying don't forget the mouse grade party at 6 45 don't forget the fireworks at 10 30 so they're constantly keeping you abreast of what's going on but there were a lot of things that weren't obvious in the navigator app and i, I it would have been easy to miss something i think 
Yeah, yeah. I, I think it would have been a nice idea if they had somehow split Pirate Night off from the rest of it, because then the fireworks would have followed and you would have had the Halloween on the high seas night a little bit separate. But, you know, the Disney decision making uh, baffled me there a little bit. There was just so much going on. And I agree, the Halloween on the high seas portion of it was very limited. They didn't have anything going on in the atrium. They just had a, a masquerade dance party. Did you did you and your family go take a look at the masquerade dance party? And what, what did you think about that as a replacement to the uh, the atrium party? We did go to the masquerade party. We actually quite enjoyed it. We thought it was really good. My younger girls really enjoyed the music and the characters dancing. You know, we thought it was nice. They enjoyed, of course, the large bags of candy that were left in the stateroom in lieu of trick-or-treating. Um, the stateroom host just leaves a really large bag of candy for all of the kids under 18. So the kids obviously enjoyed that <laughs> that part of it. Oh my goodness. Well. Yes, they did <laughs> a really large bag of candy. And since we did the cruise twice, they got two really large bags of candy apiece. So <laughs> they enjoyed that. But I mean, I, I agree that really Pirate Night was really non-existent for the most part, in my opinion. And you really had to choose whether you wanted to dress in a Halloween costume or do, you know, something that was you know, a pirate costume or outfit. And so I think that that left some of the people who were sailing with, with some difficult choices, not realizing that they were going to be on the same night. Yeah. I mean, pirate night was really just dinner and the dining staff dressed up because the fireworks show is now the, the, the newly themed fireworks. So there's no pirate night deck party or anything like that. So yeah. And then for Halloween on the high seas, they, showed some movies, like some special movies. Hocus Pocus, I think, was shown on board or something like that. But again, it just, um, yeah, it feels very limited. So I agree with your comment, Carol, that if you're a big Halloween on the High Seas fan or a big Pirate Night fan, this may not be the best time to uh, to go on board right now. So, yeah. I assume with the kiddos in tow, you may not have done much of the adult entertainment on board, Carol, but did, did you guys get a chance to experience any of the adult, uh, adult entertainment areas? We actually did not experience any any of the adult entertainment areas. And we purposely chose not to even attempt it at this point because Eric and I, my husband and I, are going on a cruise, just the two of us in January, on the fantasy. So we decided we would just put a hold on anything we wanted to do as adults until then. We did do a tasting. So we did do uh, the mixology tasting, which was wonderful. But other than that, we didn't do anything that was adult only, except that and Palo. So those were the only two things that we did adult only. I'm I'm curious on the mixology tasting. Which one did you do, and how did you feel about doing it in Skyline? I did a I did one of the tastings, and I thought it was just really dark in there, which I thought was kind of not a great choice for doing the the tastings. But what was your experience like? It wasn't ours was in Skyline as well, and I I don't think I've ever been in there before. So, and it was pretty dark in there, but the tasting itself was well done. I felt like I enjoyed the drinks. I felt like the crew member that presented all the drinks and and did all the presentation was very entertaining and did an excellent job. So I really enjoyed the tasting, but I agree it was kind of a dark environment for that. I was going to say, we, lo- we love Skyline, but we usually like it at night. And we, like Brian said, we've never done a tasting in there before. I was going to ask about Paulo because you said you did do Paulo. Did you do a brunch? Did you do dinner? Tell us about that because obviously we're big Paulo fans. We did Palo dinner on the first four-night cruise, and then we did Palo brunch on the second four-night cruise. So I would say that, again, brunch is still my favorite. I think maybe some people would disagree with me about that now because, you know, Palo brunch no longer has the buffet portion. You order everything off of a menu, but it's still a set price. The food was just over-the-top phenomenal. I mean, it was just 
really, really delicious. I actually enjoyed it without the buffet. I enjoyed the options that they had. I thought there were a lot of great options. Service was excellent as always. Hello Dinner was really good as well. I felt like it was maybe not as good as it's been in the past. And I can't quite put my finger on why. We did the a la carte. We didn't do the prefix menu. But I don't know. I just, I, I don't know. Maybe it was just me. I just felt like maybe the experience was a little bit more rushed and not as, I can't think of the word I want to use to describe it. I don't know. I just, I didn't enjoy it as much as I enjoyed brunch. Maybe I felt like it just wasn't as relaxing and leisurely. And I, I just didn't enjoy it as much as I enjoyed brunch. If I had to choose again between the two, I would definitely choose the brunch over dinner. All right. Well, we need to pause here for one second in uh, Carol's trip report just to thank our fabulous sponsors over at Touring Plans Travel. As we've talked through Carol's trip here and all of the hurdles she had to go through with testing for her kids in between sailings and understanding what those protocols are, I just want to emphasize again from our point of view, we love using Touring Plans Travel for the very reason that our travel specialist over there just helps make sure that we are always aware of the latest changes over Disney Cruise Line, what's required of us, and what we need to do to sail. So while we track those changes ourselves because we we comment and podcast in this space, I know not all of you out there have that kind of time. So a touring plans travel specialist can really help you there. They're also there to sit on hold when you don't have time and wait times at Disney right now are ridiculous. So if you love Disney music, great time to sit on hold, but I don't have that kind of time in my day. And so our touring plans travel specialist really helps us out. She's gotten us out of some jams. She's helped us plan just wonderful family vacations and cruises. Alani cruises, not on Disney cruise line and just parks vacations. She is fantastic. And the beauty of it all is we don't have to pay to benefit from her expertise because Disney pays her at the time we travel. So you are really, again, leaving money on the table if you're not using a travel specialist. And we love our travel specialist over at Touring Plans. So if you're looking to book your next fabulous Disney vacation or Disney Cruise Line vacation, head over to touringplans.com slash travel. Let them know the DCL duo sent you to help support the show. With that, back to our episode. Yeah, what did you think of the, you said you did the a la carte option. I I did as well on our cruise. And one thing that struck me was I, I was, you know, the bill was a little bit bigger when it came out at the end of the, <laughs> end of the night. And I don't know that that actually affected my impression of the meal. But what did you think about the a la carte option over the old setup of just, you know, $45 a person? I guess we've always said the caliber of the meal has always been worth more than what Disney charges for it. If you went to a similar restaurant on land with the qualifications of the chefs that they have there, you would spend a significant amount more money than you did in the past paying $45 a person to go to Palo. But I don't know that it was, it didn't feel to me that it was worth the price that we paid for it this time. And I've never said that in the past. And I never, I don't think I would have said it before, even if it had been a la carte, but I just didn't feel like quality of food was worth the price that we paid. And maybe it was just because it was their first revenue sailing. They were getting back into the groove. I'm not sure exactly. I can't quite put my finger on it, but I just I don't know that I would do it again, honestly. I think the one thing I noticed about dining is that it felt, I don't know how to put this and I don't want to say it the wrong way. We had a lot more challenging time just communicating with some of our servers this time around across the board. And just haven't experienced that in the past. I've always been, you know, there's always, you get folks internationally and the language barrier exists and, but it's always been fine. It's always, you know, they've always understood. We've always understood, but this time around, it just, it felt like there was some communication back and forth challenges. I don't know if you experienced any of that with the, with the servers on board, but that was something that we noticed uh, on our cruise. 
We didn't necessarily experience that, but you, I think you could definitely tell that maybe they were a little out of practice. Like they haven't done it, you know, a lot in the past. And I'm sure they probably have some new people as some new crew members as well. I would say that our main dining team were all very experienced. And so we definitely did not experience that in the main dining rooms. We had the best dining team we've ever had sailing on Disney on our two cruises. They were actually so wonderful the first four night that we requested them again for the second four night. So, and we've never done that before. So they were, they were absolutely on point, but I just, I didn't feel like, and I don't, I didn't necessarily feel like in our Palo dinner that that was the case though. You know, I, I will say I did hear something and I don't know if this is, I, I don't, this just be a rumor, but I did hear that because the fantasy was the fourth ship to get up and running, it had more brand new cast members than the other three ships, right? Because we had the magic restarting first, or I, actually, I guess the wonder is the last perhaps. So maybe I'm wrong on that, but I, I think the wonder and the fantasy have more new crew than the magic and the dream since those two ships started first. And so it may be that just the proportion of brand new cast members versus experienced cast members is is just a little bit more off on those two ships. But again, that could just be a rumor. Yes, I think it's probably true. And, you know, one of the things that I said in our cruise group over and over again to people was, you know, please remember to pack your patience and please give grace to these crew members because so many of them have been out of work for such a long time and they're trying to get their feet wet again. And so they were absolutely phenomenal in every single way. I, I don't fault them at all. I just think the whole, it's, you know, it's like when you're trying to do something you haven't done in a really long time, it's, you know, you're out of practice. And so I think that that may have been the case maybe with the food quality a little bit in Palo. The service was excellent. It just, the, the atmosphere just didn't feel quite the same as it has before. And they're coming back and it's not, it's not like they're getting back on the bike that they used to ride. This is all new for everyone in terms of, you know, doing the work, you know, wearing masks, all this. I mean, everything is a little bit different this time around. So, right. New um, protocols for them and a new way, even, even just the seating in the dining room, right? It's, it's, not just seated separately or people being seated further apart, but even just the seating times, right? They Before everybody would come in all at once for the early dinner versus the, or, and for the late dinner. And now it's staggered. I mean, there's just a lot of things that seem small, but they could actually be quite big for the cast members. I completely agree. And I think that they were doing, you know, above and beyond to try to make sure that all the guests were happy and having a magical experience. And, you know, they definitely were happy to be there. And that was really the best part of the cruise was the crew. We had some of the best dining staff that we've ever had as well uh, on the dream in the main dining room. So I, I agree. I think they were really making effort to go above and beyond and make sure everyone was really happy with everything. The one thing I've noticed with the staff right now is I've just, I'm, <laughs> I'll say this, I'm noticing missing faces, right? Like, so we used to sail the fantasy a lot. We knew uh, a server in the main dining room who we used to request all the time, knew a couple of the servers in Palo. And now having been on both the dream and the fantasy, I'm just noticing, not seeing those folks as much. So, I, you know, the the human being in me hopes that they are okay at home and that nothing bad happened to them during this period of time, that their families are okay. But it did feel like a lot more new faces than less old faces uh, on these ships right now. So 
Uh, you mentioned, uh, or Sam, I guess, mentioned the dining times. I was curious. I One of the first things I noticed when I got my Key of the World card was there was no dining rotation printed on the card. And so they've moved that into the app. Was that a little bit different experience for you? Yes. At, actually, when we first got our cards, I was like, where are we going to dinner? Like, where is all this information? Where? What's our table number? It was, you know, and we it had not been communicated, so we did not know. I actually discovered it in the app because, of course, the app looks different than it did previously. And so I was just exploring my way through it and discovered that it has, you know, it already has favorited, if you will, you know, room for the night and your table number and all that is listed on there. But it definitely was a different experience that I was not expecting. Yeah, I just think I I was I just thought it was interesting. They didn't really communicate it that, you know, you've sailed Disney before. You always look at your card and go, oh, what's the string of letters I'm going to see for my dining rotation? It was just obviously missing. It makes me wonder there's so little information left on the card at this point. Basically, your name, your castaway club status, your castaway club number and not even your stateroom, I don't think is printed on there any longer. So it's sort of like uh, what's what's left? Are they (laughs) are they going to just do away with these cards at some point in the near future? Is that what the direction they're headed? So, yeah. What else, Sam? What if we had not asked about? You talked about dining, Palo. Um, I want to ask about different like family activities and stuff on board. I mean, obviously, a lot of people like to go to the, you know, the different, I'm not talking about the adults only trivia, but there's, you know, family trivia and family game shows and those kinds of activities. I, I wanted to hear, Carol, if you guys, I know you had a lot of time at Castaway Key and not as much time on the ship, but if you all were able to experience some of those and, and what you thought of them, were they, I think they've got some new stuff. We didn't get to do too much because we only had a three-day cruise in August. And, and obviously I wasn't on Brian's trip last week, but so I'm just curious as to what you thought about the, the new and different offerings they've got. We did not do very many of them. We, like I said, uh, my daughter and my husband went to the animation class, which they loved. It's something that we have never done before. One other thing, my youngest daughter really wanted to go to the Bippity Boppity Boutique. So she did on our first cruise go to the Bippity Boppity Boutique. That's really about it. As far as I can remember, it just the time seems so short. I feel like I don't know where the time went when we were on board. (laughs) T- tell us, tell us about the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique. I mean, it, it, I, it were there. I mean, I don't know if she did it ever before the pandemic, but what was the experience like there? Obviously, Brian and I have not done it ourselves, obviously, and our son hasn't done it. I'm not sure he would really he because some sensory sensitivities. I'm not sure he'd really like the glitter and stuff. But yeah, just curious how that experience was. We have done it before a couple of other times previously. So we do definitely have something to compare it to. The fairy godmothers in training in the Bippity Boppity Boutique are absolutely phenomenal and amazing. But again, they were limited on what they could do because of protocols. And I think they must have like a time limit that they want you in and out. I'm just guessing because it seemed like a very rushed experience this time. I mean, they didn't really make it feel rushed, but I mean, I just knew that it was shorter than it's ever been before. And it definitely is not the full experience because they're not allowed to take the kids' masks off and put their makeup on, which they've done in the past. So my daughter did the package where you get the dress and the hair and the makeup and the nails and the whole kit and caboodle, if you will. And so she enjoyed it a lot, but she did not enjoy it as much as she did pre-COVID because there were some things missing from the experience. Um, it was an excellent experience. And if you didn't know any better, you, I mean, it, you know, it, it was an excellent experience. But because she's had it done previously and been able to spend so much more time with the fairy godmothers in training, she definitely noticed a difference. 
Yeah, that's interesting. I I hadn't really thought about the the makeup part. Do they still obviously they still do the glitter because, you know, they got to do the hair. I feel like that's the biggest part of the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique is the (laughs) hair and the glitter. Do they still do like makeup on the eyes and stuff or or do they just not do makeup at all? No, they do not do makeup at all. They did her hair and um, of course she changed into the outfit that she chose and then they did her hair. They did do like a quick polish on the nails and then they gave her the makeup because, you know, you get a bag and because she did the package with the costume, she gets accessories that go with the costume and all of that. And so in the bag, they put all of the makeup and stuff for her to have to put on when she got back to the stateroom if she wanted to, but they actually did not do any of the makeup there. Well, that's cool, though, that she got to experience the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique a little bit. I, I, I did see some kids wandering around. It made me think, is that experience open? So it's, it's cool it's open, but yeah, I think like most things on board... It's just a little, uh, everything feels a little limited. Everything just feels a little limited. I felt, I felt like there were fewer activities, uh, to your point, dining felt just a little shorter. <laughs> you know, the experiences just felt a little bit more compact and not as rich as they have been. I, I, I say that, you know, also saying full well, there's still lots of magic and fun to be had on board the ship. So still a great experience overall. Just, it, it's not quite where it used to be. But I hope that it kind of slowly comes back as folks get their feet wet and such. Carol, as we as we think about sort of the second cruise, so you all did your first four night. You got off the fantasy. You had kind of this three day break. I guess before we get to the second cruise, I kind of wanted to ask, how did the three day break go? How did the testing go? I know we had a whole episode with you pre departure talking about trying to figure out the backup, the the primary plan, the backup plan, all that stuff for testing. How did it ultimately go? Did it, did it run smoothly? Right. Um, yes. Before I address that, I just want to say that for everybody listening, that while we're talking about the limitations on board, I had my expectations completely adjusted before I got on. And it was still, I still cried. It was still the most magical experience. I was so happy to be there. The crew was so happy to be there. It's still a phenomenal experience. You just have to understand that Disney and the crew members are doing the best they can in order to keep everyone safe. And that means that there are some changes to some of the experiences on board. So yeah, for our three-day break, we got off the ship and we rented an Airbnb with a pool because we continued. We wanted to continue to limit our exposure for testing purposes. Our daughters had to have a, another PCR test. The rules had changed. So now we were in that three-day window, which really didn't matter because we only had three days anyway. So we actually scheduled a rapid PCR at the Orlando airport for Thursday. We got off on Wednesday. We scheduled that for Thursday morning and decided that that was going to be our sole plan. We decided we weren't going to attempt any other testing because we knew that was a sure thing. So um, we spent Wednesday just kind of relaxing, hanging out by the pool. Thursday, we went to the Orlando airport. It was a little tricky to find the place to get tested. But once we figured that out, it was so easy. We walked in, there was no line, we had an appointment. I mean, they did the test 30 minutes later, we had the results in our hand. And it was just a great peace of mind. And then we just spent the rest of the time washing clothes and repacking and hanging out of the pool. So it was it was fine. Nice. And everything ended up working out with the testing, you got the results all back just fine and no hiccups there. Yes. The nice part about doing the testing at the Orlando airport, if any of your listeners are are in a similar situation or want to get tested locally, it's really expensive. It was $175 per child for the rapid PCR test. However, it is completely worth it for the peace of mind. You literally take the test. They have a waiting area for you to sit outside. And in 30 minutes, they come and hand you paper results. 
which has all the information that Safe Passage requires on it. It's, I mean, I literally loaded it before we got back in our car. And by the time we were driving away, Safe Passage had already accepted their result. It was very, very easy. That's really nice. The only, I guess the only negative is you had to do that over an hour drive from your Airbnb down your Cocoa Beach back to the airport and and then back. Yes, that that would have been the only, that and the price would have been the only downside of it. But it was, I felt like we'd had so many changes before the first cruise and we had had to jump through so many hoops and it was fairly anxiety ridden before we got on the first cruise. And we just didn't want to have that again between the two cruises. We just wanted to have that peace of mind and do the sure thing. And so it was completely worth the drive and the money to just kind of have it, be done with it and not have to think about it, not have to wait and make sure the results were going to come on time. It was just totally worth the peace of mind. Well, speaking of testing and the second cruise, Carol, everyone had to get tested to get on board, me included. And uh, what did you think about that process? I don't know if they'd already made adjustments to the process by the time you did your first cruise, but what did you you think about the process the second time around? Seem as smooth and and quick as you uh, experienced on the first one? It was definitely different than it was the first time, obviously, because everyone was having to be tested the second time. There were more lines and more availability for testing. I felt that the process was handled very well and it went very smoothly, but it did take twice as long for us to get the results back the second time. And maybe that's because there were five of us versus two people. One thing that was different was when we got to the port this time, they weren't letting anybody in before 11 a.m. And previously, the port opens at 1045. They were letting people come in and and start the process at 1045. And they did not do that this time. They actually made us keep driving around until 11 o'clock. And we were not the only ones. There was a whole line of cars driving around waiting to get in. So we got tested, you know, right away. And um, it took an hour, maybe a little bit more than an hour to get our results back the second time. So it it did take a little bit longer, but I still felt like it was a very smooth, well-run process. Yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised with how well they got that done uh, this time around as compared to our experience with the dream. I just thought it was very I was surprised how efficient it was to test everyone getting on board. Be interesting to see how that runs with, you know, another 300 people or so uh, on another sailing. But uh, at least for the 1100 people on board our second sailing, it, it felt like it went pretty smoothly. Well, rather than walk through the whole second cruise here, Carol, I just I kind of want to ask one question, which was, was there any differences that stood out to you between cruise number one? And cruise number two, I will say there were differences that stood out to me that, you know, if you want to hear my differences, go to the <laughs> go to the episode we just released. There were differences that stood out to me between the dream and the fantasy sailing that I did. But I don't know if you noticed anything changing between your first sailing and your second, because my sense is things things can evolve quickly here and they do make changes. But did you notice anything that, that was different the second time around? Other than there being more people, and it's interesting because it was only a couple hundred more people, but it was noticeable to me. And part of that obviously was because concierge was half full versus full the second time. So I think that probably is where I noticed some of that. I didn't really notice a whole lot of differences the second time around. I I will say that I felt like based on some of the things that I saw, some of the passengers on board The aura was a little bit different the second time around. And I think maybe because it wasn't the first sailing, you know, the first sailing, everybody was so excited to be there. And it seemed more like it had been kind of in the past, the people in general. But overall, I didn't really notice a whole lot of differences, I don't think. And did you do um, Palo? You did on the first cruise. You did not. You did not do anything. Were there any different experiences that you had on the second cruise, or that you saved for the second cruise? Yeah, we did Palo brunch on the second cruise. We did the dinner on the first and the brunch on the second. 
the brunch was amazing. I felt like the brunch was way better than dinner. And again, maybe it was because we've already had this, you know, cruise and now we're on the second one. The service, the food, everything was amazing at the brunch. We just really, really enjoyed it. It was one of our favorite experiences. So uh, I will say I did notice the second time around, I was able to figure out some things a little bit easier the second time after the first time, one being character experiences. On the first cruise, I had a really hard time figuring out where to go to see characters other than like where they had a couple of times where you had photo opportunities in the atrium. It wasn't overt as to where to go or how to see them. And it really is just a timing thing, I think. You just have to be in the right place at the right time to see a lot of the characters. And so that was something that was kind of a goal for the second time around that we did better with the second time around was was finding and seeing, you know, having experiences with characters. Yeah, I found the exact same thing, Carol. I I didn't I, while I saw a lot of characters more sort of randomly, I didn't really figure out as well as I obviously had pre-pandemic where to go uh to get some, you know, character pictures. And I think it's a lot more there's a lot more impromptu uh character experiences in addition to just a, a small number of of set times in the atrium where they're going to be set up for pictures. It, it, it's still better than meet and greets at the parks, I would say, because again, you, you don't wait on, you know, long lines and, and whatnot. But I, I do think it's not, it's just not as plentiful as it is, or as it was in pre-COVID times. Yes, I agree with you. And my husband pointed out, and I'm sure that he is correct, but he said, you know, the reason they're not announcing is because they don't want big crowds of people. So if it, if you just happen to bump into Chippendale, then, you know, there's going to be a few people that are going to notice that and come over and get that experience without, you know, it's a, it's a crowd control thing. Because what I will say is I feel like I haven't felt safer anywhere else than I did on that Disney ship during this entire pandemic. I felt like Disney really went above and beyond and their safety protocols were on point as far as trying to keep the crew and the passengers safe. 100% agree with you there. I, I think it, they their protocols and every experience that you do get to have is just done in a really safe and organized manner. Right. And I, and I said to my friends when I got back, I don't care what I did or did not get to do. I was really literally so happy just to be on the ship. And we spent a lot of time during our cruise talking to crew members and hearing their stories and them telling stories of things like I had to climb mango trees and collect mangoes to earn a living for my family while I was off the ship and how happy they were to be back that to me, that was enough. It was I literally sat in the dining room one night and I was just watching all the servers scurry around and the head servers going to the t- just like watching almost as if you're watching on TV a movie. And I just sat there and cried. I was so excited to see that normalcy back for the crew and knowing how many of them have to work there in order to be able to support their families and, and how much that meant to them. To me, that was worth it all. So I really didn't care about all the restrictions and things. You know, I just felt like it was just so great to be there. Yeah, we had a we had a story from our Palo server on our dream sailing that he uh, he was relaying that like he basically he he started I think it was like commercial fishing basically <laughs> like he would go down in the morning and set his nets and then take his kids to school and then come back and get the fish. So he's sort of talking to us through what he did during the pandemic to feed his family and uh, you could you could just tell he was happy to be back and working again. So I agree, the crew are the star of the show always on board these ships. 
Well, Carol, anything we didn't touch on about these cruises? It sounds like you had a fabulous time that, that uh, you know, you know, for the right folks, you would recommend it. And, and maybe that's kind of the question is if folks are out there listening and they're on the fence, Carol, what what would you say they should be thinking about or considering right now if they're trying to make the decision around is now the right time for us to head back to Disney Cruise Line or not? What I would say is if your Disney cruise is going to be a once in a lifetime experience for you and it's something that your family may only ever get to do one time, I would wait. I would wait until things are settled and somewhat back to normal. If you are a person who enjoys cruises and you cruise often and you just enjoy the experience of being on the ship and being on the ocean and the dining and all of those things, then I definitely say now is a good time to go, especially with low capacity, because there really were no lines for anything and everyone's happy to be there. And I think it's a a fairly unique experience for someone who cruises regularly. I just think people have to be willing to adjust their expectations and realize that Disney is doing everything they can to keep everyone safe. And sometimes that means you may not get to do the things you want to do, or they may not be the same as they have been in the past. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think your advice too earlier in the show too is is something I have repeated to several people at this point, which is just a way a friend put it to us is pack your patient's pants. Things are bound to happen. Things are bound to not just be as you know as you remember them. And so give the crew a little a little grace and a little patience. I think we'd all use a little grace and patience at this point. So I think that's just great advice to, to remember to pack your patience. So, well, Carol, really great to have you join us to talk about your cruise experience. I think Sam wanted to do a little bit different style of a, of a rapid fire and maybe focus more on some of your, your tips. Sam, do you want to, do you want to start that? Yeah. So I, I, what I want to ask is, not necessarily tips, but five don't miss things to do right now on Disney Cruise Line. These could be things at Castaway Key or things in particular on the ship. But obviously, we know things are a little bit different than they normally are in this pandemic era. I'm not going to say post-pandemic era because we're still in the midst of it with this Delta variant. But what do you think are the things if somebody does decide, yeah, I'm going to do this is a good time for me and my family to cruise. What are the the five things you would tell them you really should do while you're sailing on DCL? Five things. Number one is don't skip the shows. Don't skip the shows in the Walt Disney Theater. That is the number one thing that I would always advise pre, post, pandemic, whatever. Number two is definitely go to the deck parties. And even though the fireworks are short, go to the fireworks because they're still amazing, even though it's not the same as it has been in the past. So Go to the shows, go to the deck parties, wander the ship, meet the characters for sure. Um, definitely try to experience some of the classes on board if you can, because even though we only did the one class, it was really amazing and it wasn't very crowded. There weren't a lot of people in there. So my daughter felt like she got a lot out of the class. And then I would say spend time talking to the crew, getting to know them. It, they, it really means a lot to them for people to take an interest in them. Those are great, great tips, Carol. I would definitely say the one thing I didn't do enough of on our last cruise in August was just wandering the ship to meet those characters. Now, it was only a three-night cruise, so it just really wasn't enough time. But hopefully, uh, we'll get to do that in a few weeks when we're on the Wonder. Yes, it's fun. And it's fun when you get those impromptu experiences with them, I think. I think in some ways, those are so much better than in the past because you just, it's this impromptu, you run into them 
in the hallway and they stop and you get to kind of interact and then take like a distant selfie. My daughters really enjoyed those experiences because they were, you know, just kind of a sudden and you just had that interaction like you were meeting a friend in the hallway and talking to them. So that that was really fun. Yeah, we I had that experience on the fantasy as we were sitting on the back of the boat having a drink at Meridian. Uh, Donald's handler called down to us from a deck above and, and said, Donald really wants to say hi to everyone down there. And he was just leaning over the railing and waving and interacting with everybody. So, you know, that's another thing I hope they find a way to continue post pandemic. These little impromptu serendipitous moments of character interaction, I think, are just really fun and and really great. They've, they've worked well in the parks, they work well on the cruise line, and I just think it makes the whole experience a little bit more whimsical and fun for everybody. So, Carol, again, really appreciate you taking the time to uh, to come on and share your experiences with us. As always, it's, it's always great to hear your thoughts and your feedback. And so can't wait to have you back in the future uh, when you sail again. It sounds like you've got a cruise planned in January, adults only. That uh, that sounds like a fun one. Will it be a, a longer cruise or are you, uh, you doing another uh, three, four night? Yes, I do not plan to do any more three or four nights unless I have no other choice because it's just really too short. <laughs> but we have a seven night Star Wars Day at Sea cruise. Yeah, seven seven night That's Star Wars right. Day at Sea. So yeah, we're we're pretty excited about my husband and I are excited about the seven nights. Nice. Yeah. Our next our next cruise is a three night, but hopefully in November, if the timing is working, everything's working right at this point. Uh, we'll be on the fantasy for a seven night, and I'm uh, I'm really itching to get back on one of those longer cruises because three and four nights does feel far, far too short. So, Carol, thank you once again for coming on. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I always enjoy chatting with you guys. You know, I love to talk about Disney Cruise Line because it really is such an amazing place to to be. Even now, even with the changes, it's just magical. <laughs> Well, as always, we love having Carol on the show to talk about her fabulous Disney cruising adventures. She is an avid poster over on Instagram. If you don't follow her already, head over to Disney Cruise underscore mom of three on Instagram and you can follow along on all of her family's fantastic Disney Cruise Line adventures. With that, I do have another five star review that I want to read on the air this week from Apple Podcasts. This week's review comes from Piper's Upscale Resale, who writes, Best Disney Cruise Podcast and more. I have discovered these two and I am a huge fan. I became a travel agent and they share invaluable information. Keep up the great content. Well, thank you for that review, Pipers. We really, really appreciate it. We always love hearing from our listeners and hearing feedback on the show. So if you've got some constructive feedback on the show, by the way, guests you want us to talk to, things you want to hear us talk about, then send us an email at dclduo at gmail.com because we love to hear from our listeners. So with that, I do just want to thank each and every one of you out there for listening this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL duo each week. Please also head over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us those five-star reviews. We love reading the written reviews on the air each week from our listeners. So head over, leave us a review. Yours will be in the queue and we will read it on the air. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, as I said, send us an email at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo can also join the DCL Duo blog and podcast Facebook group if you'd like to join a conversation with some like-minded cruisers and DCL Duo fans like yourself. If you'd like to help support the show, you can always head over to touringplans.com slash travel to book your next Disney vacation and let them know the DCL Duo sent you. Or you can browse over to patreon.com slash DCL Duo and join one of our monthly support tiers. We really do appreciate each and every one of our Patreons out there in the community and they do get some access to special benefits and early content. So head over, check out that Patreon 
You can also get some great content by browsing to youtube.com slash DCL Duo and subscribing to our vlog channel. So head over there, check that out. The DCL Duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo. Good night. Thank you.